0: episode number 20. My guest today is the lead pastor at the church I attend. I think it would be fair to say that a fair number of farming folk have some religious background, so I think our discussion today is appropriate to the podcast. I think you'll enjoy the listen today as we go a bit deeper than usual. Please welcome a very wise person in my life, Pastor Kevin Roberts. Pastor Kevin, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Doing well, Dustin.
0: Um, part of the podcast is um, talking to people that interact with dairy farmers. Um, so I couldn't think of someone that most dairy farmers interact with more than their pastors. So I thought I'd have you on and we'd go through some, some of your day-to-day stuff and uh, what your life looks like and... Um, what does your week typically look like when you study for a sermon and prepare for a sermon?
1: Oh, well, my week is has quite a bit of variety to it. Usually as far as, for most people, they uh, they recognize the Sunday sermon as sort of the, the main event for a pastor, but there are a lot of other activities that they, they do through the week, and many times those activities actually feed into what comes out on Sunday mornings.
0: So. Right, yeah. So I've I've had it before where like after the sermon, I'll go up to you and want to talk about the sermon, but you're you're in a different mindset at that point really you're you're done finally, right, whereas where right after the sermon, I'm coming up to you, I'm just getting started, I'm just getting you know like, oh, you know that was good what you said about this and that, but you're like, oh, I'm just finally done
1: right <laughs> that that sometimes depends on the personality of the pastor some right. some pastors are very extrovert and so They just dig right into that. That after sermon's done, Um, I'm probably a little more introvert. In that, by the time I've uh, done a sermon, I'm uh, sometimes looking to hide
0: and kind of that
1: makes sense. Put myself out there just because I want to connect with the people, but
0: uh, yeah, yeah. But but I think people forget that uh, maybe you're that way or or whatever. I think people in general forget that you know so much work went into. That sermon, and that's the, the culmination of all that work is on Sunday
1: morning. Or, well, I, I, I love to preach, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. Um, but uh, yeah, as soon as you get off the pulpit on Sunday morning, you recognize that in uh, seven days you're back up there again. So,
0: right, the clock's ticking. Um, so a variety of events throughout the week kind of lead you to. What you're going to be preaching on, or sometimes you have a series going on, and whatnot. but
1: I, I I personally like to preach through a series where I'm following uh, a part of the Bible chapter by chapter, and uh, it it allows me to to preach with conviction without feeling like I'm setting people up or them feeling like I'm setting them up. So, uh, if, if if a topic in, that's touching your life happens to be in chapter 3 and we just finished chapter 2, you know that I'm not picking on you the following Sunday right. with what's going on in your life. It's just, I mean, God works it out that You'll way. You'll
0: find a way to work it in
1: there. <laughs> well, I try never to use uh, personal stories of people without their permission. So Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, what are some of the common questions you get on a fairly general basis like about faith and and stuff like that uh, um, I get, being a church that's like pretty involved in the community we see a lot of different faces which is a good thing but you get a lot of different questions I imagine too
1: I get all kinds of questions I was just just uh, speaking at an event earlier today and was asked a book about uh, was asked questions about uh, the books of the Bible and how the Bible was put together and uh, sure yeah so you get some of those you get some theology questions, uh, you you sometimes get political questions mixed in with theology questions, so uh, yeah, there's just depends what's going on in people's lives.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably a question we've asked, uh, you know, should we be obeying our leaders at this point, or or who should we be following, right?
1: Well, that always feels like a self-serving question to answer, because as a pastor I'm a church leader, right? So, uh, so I, I, I'm Somewhat shy on on answering that in in some respects, um, our first responsibility is to is to God, and and I like what the apostle Paul says. He says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right. And so, uh, so I think it's uh, uh, there is a responsibility for for us to follow our leaders, and uh, particularly in a church environment. But as 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 they follow God, it's uh, it's not a blank check.
0: Right. So I was just going to say, to what extent? Follow our leaders to what extent?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I think one of the things we forget, at people who, who hold themselves as Christians, is uh, what Jesus spent a lot of his time teaching was about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. That when uh, pe- people of faith, when, when they uh, choose to follow Christ, they're following a different kingdom. And they need to they need to learn what the values are of that kingdom, and let those be reflected. As as they live in the kingdoms of this world.
0: So a bit of a broader type answer, not just um, a situation by situation. Type, you know, like like I asked when should we follow our leaders or to what extent, but it's more the the mindset around it. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well. I mean, we 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 follow our leaders. Um, we Christians should be the best of citizens. Really, really should be. There, there's a verse in the Bible um, that that tells us to live such good lives that even those outside of faith accuse you of doing wrong. They might actually be embarrassed by it because they 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 see they they see the life that you're living in a positive way. So. Uh, um, you know that that should be what we uh, what we bring to the table with with that.
0: Mm-hmm. What other questions do you get?
1: Oh, well, uh, sometimes relationship questions. Sometimes how people navigate uh, their marriages or their families. Um, I've had. Uh, occasionally, questions about uh, inheritances and uh, financial stuff, and how Christians should look at that. So, I, basically, if there's a topic that people are wrestling with in their life, they will they will often uh, ask uh, ask a pastor what they think about it, or what what uh, what they think that the Bible thinks about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What they th- what's their interpretation? Yeah. So they'll tell you a question, basically. Uh,
1: so, get you to vote, verify it? Sometimes. yeah, I, I, I think for, for Christians that genuinely want to follow God, the posture of their life is always one of what does God think about the matter? I mean, many times we approach, uh, approach topics with our minds already made up and are just hoping that, that God, the Bible, and the pastor will simply agree with what we're already thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, rather than, uh, um, well, sometimes I ask the questions of of, of people in church: Is when's the last time God changed your mind? You know, sometimes we think we've got it all figured out, but if if uh, if our mind never gets changed, then perhaps we're not listening to uh, to God or the Bible clear enough. Because I I don't think any of us would sit back and say we've got it all figured out. And if we don't have it all figured out, then there must be times that. Uh, that we're open to God changing our minds on, on topics.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what's your uh, background? Tell our listeners a bit about your background, your upbringing.
1: Oh well, um, I I didn't grow up in a religious environment at all. Uh, you know, it's definitely a positive home and uh, uh, you know many positive aspects of it, but it wasn't uh, wasn't. A, a, a church going home or a practicing faith home at all, um, for me, it, giving my life to Christ was a decision I made as a teenager, and it uh, it, it radically changed everything that uh, that would follow.
0: So, um, so you, you what um, what did your parents base their their goodness? Or you said it was a good home. Like what? And I, I'm I'm honestly asking because I I grew up. Uh, you know, in a in a Christian home, and and the reason for doing good was always, you know, faith. So why wh- what's the reason for doing good when there's no
1: faith? I I think that there are many that have grown up in in morally positive homes. Sure, yeah. That came from religious roots, even though there wasn't a practicing relational faith with God. Um, I, I mean, when I think of my, my parents, they probably grew up going to Sunday school in church because that was a socially accepted thing to do. But uh, uh, around the time where they grew up, there were a great many people that started leaving the church and no longer attending the church, and of course, when they stopped attending the church, then uh, then their kids never had an opportunity to attend the church, and and that that's why we're sometimes surprised today when we see younger people that that don't know even the basic Bible stories. Um, just we sometimes forget that there's there's really a whole generation that has grown up that's been. Uh, fairly distant from, from church activities and church gatherings.
0: Mm-hmm. But you gave your life to Christ when you were about 15?
1: Yeah, well, it was, well I was 14, just, just around that, that uh, mark there. Yeah, I was in eighth grade. And, uh, yeah, Grandma showed up for uh, Christmas one year and uh, wanted us all to go to church. And well, Grandma gives good presents, so you don't say good. So don't say no to Grandma. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, we went to uh, we went to a new church that had just uh, grown up, that had just been built in our neighborhood. And um, following week, I went back on my own, and the week after that, I went back on my own again. And then uh, I think it was the following Monday. It was uh, just on my own in my my room. I uh, I gave with. Gave my life to Christ.
0: That's crazy at that age. Usually, that's the rebellious age, right?
1: Um, sometimes, I guess. For for me, as a as a teenager, I mean, there was a lot of confusion going on in me as to who who I wanted to be, who I was supposed to be, and uh, sure, I, I I think for me, I had to be somebody for my friends. And somebody for the teachers and somebody different for my uh, mm-hmm. uh for my parents and uh i was uh i i i distinctly remember uh saying to the air one day that uh, you know there's got to be somebody that that likes me for who i am and not who i have to be and uh, it was a it was a few months after that i found myself uh found myself in a church mhm and
0: uh yeah i can identify with that i think um like i grew up in a In a Christian home. And I got a Bible when I was in my early teens, maybe. And then I got kind of scared into Christianity. You know, I didn't want to go to that awful place in Revelation. Right. So, (laughs) so I don't know the exact moment when I gave my life to Christ, but, um, that would be, it would be somewhere around there. And then, um, you know, just throughout the years learning more and stuff like that. And then, and then, um, I started coming to a church out here and slowly starting to learn about grace. And then that's when my life really started to change from the inside out, right? Mm -hmm. Not just being scared to do good anymore or scared so that you did do good, but actually uh, starting to believe and stuff like that. So, but then, yeah, I guess maybe when I was 17, 18, you start to get that feeling of what's your purpose here. So for me, I... I read uh, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, and that really helped. I read that a few years ago again. It was good. But um, if you could define that, what is the purpose of life?
1: Um, well, I mean, if you go back to Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life, uh, you know, I think the very first line in, in the book is, It's not about you. Yeah. And a little bit further on in the, his book, he says, uh, uh, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. And uh, that was uh, i mean you know, I was a pastor already when I read that uh, read that book when that came out, but that was one of the lines that stood out for me is you you were you were made by God and for God. Mm-hmm. and until you come to terms with that, your life will never make sense. So
0: but what does that mean to someone who has no interest in God? Doesn't really mean anything, right? So if you told them that's the purpose of life, they would just shrug, right?
1: Um, they, they would, probably, yeah. I mean, I don't think you're going to make somebody have interest in God. I think all that you can do is, is, is live the life before your friends and neighbors. Um, live something that's real, that, that you have a real relationship with Christ that makes a difference in your life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make everything easier. In fact, many times it makes life more complicated um, when you try to live out your Christian faith. Um, But along the way, I think all of us experience crisis. I mean, Jesus told the story about the the two men that built their house, and one built it on the rock, one built it on the sand. Mm -hmm. Um, Each of them experienced a storm. And for one, the house stood, and the other, the house fell. The storm's going to hit everybody. And for many people, particularly if they haven't grown up in a, a faith, a Christian affirming environment where they've come to Christ at a young age, for many people, it will be the moment of crisis, crisis financially, crisis in their marriage, crisis with whichever that will ask them questions about there needs to be something more. Mm-hmm. And for many people, they, uh, they're not going to find Christ apart from that crisis, Mm -hmm.
0: when people come to that realization that maybe there's something more why should they believe that the Bible is something that they should follow
1: I'm not sure they're going to I'm not sure they're going to come to that as a starting point usually in crisis your questions are emotional questions and not intellectual questions uh, some people, it's really important to, to uh, find the intellectual answers, and, uh, and and there are some really good answers to those questions. But uh, I think the person in crisis, before they want answers of, you know, how does this work, it mm-hmm. um, is really going to be looking for that sense of comfort and comfort that comes from God um, that's often seen through other people. Um, you know, I, I mean, for many people, their faith is just simply a system of religion that's not much different than being part of uh, any other social group. But when you encounter somebody where where their faith isn't just about the faith I have, but about the relationship I have with the living God, with, with Jesus, um, there's something about that, that that I think draws people in crisis, that they see why that storm still falls that that storm from jesus story still uh hit the person who built his house on the rock but uh it it made a difference Mm -hmm. because his life was built on christ there's 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 a difference between living a system of religion and and living out a a real genuine relationship with a god who loves you
0: Mm -hmm. i've experienced that a lot in relation to the farm like uh it's not all easy starting a farm and stuff like that, so it uh, may pale in comparison to some of the storms that hit people's lives. But um, there is some real stress on farms, and I found that having faith, that as much as I don't like calling it a, you know, a tool in the toolbox, but you know, that's really got me through a lot of this farming stuff.
1: Well, I think farmers are some of the hardest-working people out there. They have long hours. We like and to
0: think well, we are, at least.
1: Well, <laughs> pastors like to think they are, too. And Is that they right? remember them, they, they often uh, have to remember that there are always people in their church that work harder than they do. So right. uh, many times that's the farmers.
0: Right. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely um, helped me a lot through the years, so.
1: I you know, I have a hard time picking out specific questions I get sure. on a regular basis. I think there's just there's there's a lot of random questions that come up mm-hmm. just depending upon what people are reading, what they're experiencing, what they're seeing and uh, mm-hmm. you know, for for instance a number of years ago, um well, I was going back a few years ago, I remember when that book The Da Vinci Code came out. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, there were were lots and lots of questions related to how we got our Bible. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the Extra biblical kind of stuff, right? Uh, uh, You don't get as many of those kind of questions nowadays because that's not the current event. Right. Um, You know, you you alluded to earlier, the current events right now have a lot of people asking, to what degree should you uh, obey and follow civic authority? So, you know, you get that question a lot these days. Right, yeah. you know i i think uh, every season is going to have different kinds of questions depending upon what you're experiencing
0: yeah 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 and it doesn't change the answer the answers in the bible don't change right our our climate changes you know things around us change but uh, god doesn't right so
1: well i think think it says in the old testament there's nothing new under the sun and, and yeah you know the technology may change but the uh um, the issues behind it and the choices we make uh, don't. And yeah. I mean that—that's one of the great reasons that as Christians we can go back to to the teachings of Jesus in the Bible because they are, they are just as relevant today as they were when Jesus said them two thousand years ago, because those uh, those spiritual, moral, and ethical issues haven't changed.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I thought it'd be good to have you on because I can't think of someone that. Uh dairy farmers interact with more really i mean uh, a lot of us are christian or uh reformed background so i think it's uh good to get your perspective on things and and i've learned a lot from you over the years um the one thing i i noticed you're good at is um diffusing situations or telling when there's emotion behind a decision or a, a group of decisions and that's really helped me
1: and so. You're talking about conflict management. I've probably been <laughs> yeah. good at causing a few of those too. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, that's helped me a bunch over the past years on the board and stuff like that. Just seeing what's really going on instead of reacting to things that happen. Um, being proactive and I don't
1: know. Yeah. Well, I, I think for all of us, oftentimes our first reaction is not the most productive one. It's if we can take yeah. a step back and uh, listen for the questions behind the questions. And,
0: yeah, that's right. yeah,
1: and uh, you know that that becomes what we're about everywhere. I mean, and that and I think that's the big thing, even you know, no matter what your profession is, no matter what your your calling is, um, is is all of life is an expression of faith, Whether you're a pastor, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a dairy farmer. I mean, we we do what we do, um, as an expression of the faith we have in Christ. We just all have different avenues of doing it. I mean, if you're a Christian and you're a dairy farmer, there are people you can show Christ to that, uh, that your minister will never be able to get close to. But because Christ is alive in your life, you get to see your vocation as, as, as your ministry. Um, uh, being a dairy farmer becomes your ministry. How will you reveal, um, and, and, and live out your faith within the context of, uh, uh, of your calling and your life and your work as, as, as a farmer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, if someone's listening that maybe doesn't know as much about this, how can they um, change their life?
1: Um, I guess to begin with, I mean, we can't change our life. Fair enough. You know, we we can't. We come to the um, we come to the point of realizing that there's some things about our life that we just we're not capable of doing it on our own, and that's really hard. I I find, I mean, I pastored farmers for a long time, and uh, wonderful people, but a, a very much an independent spirit.
0: Right. <laughs> it's a nice way of putting it. Uh,
1: well. Um, you know, to come to the place of, you know what? I, I, I can't make something to fix this. I can't do this on my own. I, I need Jesus in my life. And, uh, you know, how, how do I make it happen? Um, I can't make it happen. I have to humbly come before God and say, I, I, I need you in my life. You know, I, I, I need you in my life. And find out, find out how it is that that, that can take place. And whether you talk to a pastor, whether you talk to a, uh, another Christian farmer or whoever and, and, and ask them the question, um, you know, how, how do I uh, how do I know Jesus in my life as, as something that's living and real? And, uh, you know, what 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 good is it for me? Mm-hmm. Why 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 would I do that? But uh, again, it's going to be when we come. We, we don't ask those kind of questions until we're in a place of need. And when we're in a place of crisis and, uh, and many times for people with, uh, that are very independent in their nature, um, it, it takes a few hard knocks to get there. And, uh, that's, that's why God's not of, of adverse to allowing crisis in our life because crisis, um, crisis challenges our false idols, the things that we actually look to for strength and leads us to find Jesus as as the real strength.
0: Thanks a lot for coming on today and uh, I yeah, just really appreciate you and I'm really thankful for you in my life and I think your big influence on people around us so Well, thank you Dustin. I appreciate you and your family as well. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Faraway Farm Boy podcast, episode number 20 with Pastor Kevin Roberts. I've really appreciated the feedback I've been receiving. Got a guest you think I should have on the podcast? Let me know. Join me again next week.